Hi, welcome to another episode of Paul Don Power, Power System Design's podcast on the latest in power and power design. I'm your host, Alex Paul, and today I've got Lee Swindle. He's the Vice President of Business and Industry Development for the Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation, and we're going to talk about energy, energy in America, what people are doing about it, and obviously in this case, what Wisconsin's doing. Isn't that right, Lee? Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Alex. Well, I'm really glad to have you because as the regular listeners of the show know, we've been really trying to look at you know, what's going on with energy philosophy, energy policy, smart grid development, municipalities, microgrids. I mean, it's literally such a crowded area you could throw a rock in any direction and hit some disruptive piece of technology or some uh, critical part of infrastructure or some aspect of the grid that people are either A, debating or B, making it up as they go along. What kind of experiences have you had in that space, Lee? Well, what you describe is fundamentally true, Alex. We have a very broad-based, advanced in energy innovation taking place not only in Wisconsin but um, nationwide and across the world right now. But we are focusing um, our public investments, our public attention, and public-private partnership building on the most promising few of channels of technology development in energy innovation, and those include microgrid development and the supporting technologies beneath them, uh, biofuels. Wisconsin, for example, has the largest number of biofuel digesters uh, in anywhere in North America, and that number is consistently growing. We have producers that are active in the biofuel development space uh, across uh, multiple subsectors. Um, we're very active in uh, wind energy supply chain uh, development here in the state of Wisconsin, Mm-hmm. And we are uh, consistently in search of uh, the most promising new advances in um, energy subsector technology uh, to bring those to the next level of commercialization. And that really is the lens that focuses our strategy at the Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation and in industry at large here is the search, the constant search for the most promising and productive few of those technologies that can be brought to rapid commercialization and benefit from the mass of end users. Right. Now, Lee, how, how is Wisconsin going about that, that, that? I mean, I see it as two major aspects, or actually three. First, you've got to analyze and assess the various core technologies and methodologies. Then you've got to organize and educate the industry, and then you've got to create the environment and encourage people to develop and create within that environment to create the solutions that you're trying to get to. Uh, That's basically true, and that kind of describes end-to-end the entire innovation life cycle. There's a discovery and development phase, there's an educational phase, then there's an acceptance and adoption phase, and depending on which track of technology development we're talking about, we're at different parts of that curve um, mm-hmm. In biofuels development, we're, we're, we're more between the first and second parts of that curve, between um, discovery and education, uh, because these, these technologies are not widely distributed into the marketplace yet. In some places, like biodigesters, there's, we're, we've even reached the, the stage of adoption. But in advanced aviation biofuels development, for example, we're still pretty much in the discovery and development phase. So. Right. Um, yeah, we tend to follow that general pattern, but that's it, not evenly measured across all the core technologies that are in development. In advanced energy s- 
storage, for example, we're well ahead uh, pretty much of any place on the planet in the development of these advanced storage technologies. And the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, along with Johnson Controls, has taken a definitive lead in the development of these most advanced energy storage technologies. But we're further ahead there um, than we are in microgrid installation, for example. Right. Well, and then these technologies lever each other all the time because the grid technologies that will help you integrate alternate energy will also assist with grid stabilization and grid-level storage. You know, the same thing with security and management for efficiency also increase security and efficiency. So I'm imagining that you're also seeing where all of these dovetail and how you can leverage them for maximum yield in each of those uh, specialties. Well, certainly one of the things that we keep a very keen eye upon is technology integration, and that is the convergence of all these core technologies into an integrated uh, system-wide approach. Now, if you reference wind, yes, of course, the microgrid at at its root uh, tries to factor in um, wind generation into uh, the whole energy creation and conversion equation, but there are parts of that that we don't really evaluate very closely. Offshore wind generation, for example, is something that is um, emergent in very limited parts of northern Europe and in parts of Asia, but there's very low acceptance and adoption of that technology in coastal areas of continental United States and Canada, and there probably won't be. So our, our unique North American version of that integrated system is not necessarily going to look identical to comparable systems elsewhere on the planet. Got it, got it. What are some of the challenges that you see that are specific to Wisconsin or any of, say, uh, the Midwest states as opposed to, as you were talking about, the coasts and such? Uh, Well, there are a number of challenges that present themselves, each of them in a sort of different rank order in the scale of criticality. Uh, One, certainly among them, is our ability to to train, uh, retain, and attract top-flight engineering talent. We, we are blessed to have uh, a very high density of high highest-quality engineering uh, universities and engineering technology curricula at the technical college level of probably any place in the United States, but we still need more. Mm-hmm. Second mm-hmm. challenge is the mere profusion of these emerging um, variants of promising technologies. There are so many of them so many multiple sources that are underwriting the cost of developing these technologies that we still struggle with the effort to focus these into the most promising few, and that's one of the things that we are, we are trying to achieve along with our industry and academic partners here at the WEDC. Um, so, so workforce availability and the ability to focus public and private investment on the most promising technologies are certainly two of the major challenges that we face here. Uh, the third really is the, the emerging competition from particularly um, Central, well, Western European and Asian economies that are actively investing uh, the public fund into uh, technology advancements in this industry sector and have emerged as, as extremely strong and capable competitors. Makes a lot of sense, Lee. Well, um, what 
things do you have on the horizon that you're going to do, or is it just going to be a continued effort in the tracks you're in? Are there any going to be any expansions or new projects to help address some of that? Well, certainly our recently announced investment of uh, a little over $800,000, although in some that's not the full amount, but the publicly announced amount in the Energy Innovation Center in Milwaukee. And this, this follows um, in the line of a, broad, a broader strategy that we are implementing throughout the state, which um, underwrites the cost of creation of centers of excellence in our uh, principal driver industries. And in those industries where we present the greatest promise for future competitive potential and development, and those include water technology, energy power and controls, food and beverage production and processing, aviation and aerospace. And so the Energy Innovation Center is just a, a serial installment and a much bigger strategy. But, the, but the, there is no, to our knowledge, there is no comparable entity of this sort worldwide, which is bringing together uh, a very large body of academic specialists from multiple institutions both in-state and out-of-state, is powered by the most powerful industry consortium in the energy power and control space I know of, the Midwest Energy Research Consortium in Milwaukee, mm -hmm. but although it's a Midwest entity, and is bringing together um, work workforce development, technology development, uh, academic and commercial discovery, and technology deployment, um, along with uh, cross regional uh, models of collaborative technology creation, which this is certainly going to have inside of it, uh, and is, is, the pub, is the result of a very large-scale uh, and long-term public-private investment model in which there's strong co-investment from both the public and private sector, as well as the academic space. Uh, there is no entity that we know of that's comparable in the scale and the scope of this Energy Innovation Center. And that, that accords with our strategy, which is to um, create these centers of excellence in our most promising and productive industry sectors in the state. Well, you know, and that's really heartening to hear, Lee, because there's so much problem with piecemeal adoption, irregular oversight, and to have a state-level entity helping coordinate that so that it works for everyone and can provide benefits to all, I think it's a very commendable effort. Well, that's what's one of our, it is, at root, it's our strongest industry sector in the state. We're strongest in industrial machinery in the export space, but in pure in terms of pure in-state domestic production, uh, the energy power and controls industry sector is our most powerful, it's the most, um, it's the fastest growing it has the strongest competitive quotient uh, in the way of its actual export potential and its export out of region. That doesn't necessarily mean to foreign markets. And it has been, since we measured this the last time in 2006, it's only extended its lead. That industry sector has grown by 31% through the recession, which is a pretty remarkable performance benchmark. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Agreed, agreed. Now, what what would you say, you're, you're talking to an audience of uh, electronic design engineers within the development community, what would you say to them is what you could use, what kind of offering of uh, assistance, technology, interest, what kind of people would you like to have come knock on your door and say, hey, sign me up, I want to get involved? 
Well, we're certainly in need because we have a relatively thin pipeline, a very high-quality pipeline, but a thin pipeline uh, of advanced electrical engineers, uh, and that also applies to chemical engineers, and that may not seem intuitive to talk about chemical engineers when you're talking about energy power and controls, but the, the properties of materials uh, to which chemical engineering flows in a very straight line are going to be essential to building uh, increasing performance into um, components of energy generation, energy conversion, energy control and monitoring into the future. So those, those are two high criticalities as well as uh, advanced information technology specialities because one of the things that's, that's certainly going to drive uh, our ability to master these technologies in the future and to fully understand uh, their capabilities, capacities, and potentials will be in the, the meta and mega data analysis space. Our ability to undertake scenario complex scenario modeling. Um, in addition, so there's there in the 3D virtual space of printing technology that you read so much about. There there are two versions of that. There's the product side, and then there's the process mm -hmm. side. Um, right. It's easy. It's easier to model the product in its future state than it is to do complex scenario modeling, which is basically 3D modeling of behavior and performance. And we're going to need both, and we don't have a, uh, a ready supply of the fully qualified specialists in this space that we need right now, and we're going to need to concentrate on developing that in the future. Well, hey, I'm really glad you said that, Lee, because you're absolutely right. And I think one of the aspects of this whole phenomena, the reawakening of power almost, as you could say, is the aspect of we've really ignored power up until now. You know, it, uh, it wasn't until energy issues and uh, smart device issues and portable products and battery issues really started to make people's minds focus on power. But now that power is really becoming a design philosophy again, it really does bring up, as you were saying, material science, not just in places like um, battery storage chemistries or biofuel derivatives, but also in the areas of advanced semiconductor, you know, uh, gallium nitride, silicon carbide, um, the advanced packaging technologies that need, those are also going to be involved in materials. So, and then as you were saying with the software, so power truly is becoming a complete uh, industry philosophy, again, in the sense that people can no longer ignore it as a methodology because, well, simply said, it, you can no longer draw a circle on the board and say you put power here and you can no longer just simply put a dam up and run some cables and say, ha-ha, our municipality is powered because nothing exists in a vacuum anymore and everything's got a power budget. Well, that's exactly true. And, and the industry prominence, I have to be careful about the word dominance, but certainly our industry <laughs> prominence where, where we've got um, – 900 companies and about a $38 billion value to the gross domestic product of this industry sector in the state, um, that is not going to secure our, our future alone. So just having a bunch of companies that are extraordinarily good at making generators and engines and fuels and lubricants 
and control mechanisms and the like is not going to secure um, a prosperous future for the sector by itself. We've, that's been a core competency, and we've been extraordinarily good at it. But it is the fully integrated version of that core competency that's really going to power our future, and that very much connects to advanced materials development, very much connects to advanced IT methodologies in um, performance assessment, evaluation, scenario modeling, um, uh, performance prediction, and the like. And, and we certainly realize that. So the, we don't have the luxury of just focusing on any of those one things. We have to focus on all of them concurrently, and that is very much the center of our strategy here. There you go, Lee, and I really appreciate those kinds of efforts because we really do need people who can focus on a future goal and work towards it as opposed to just assembling whatever happens to be lying around at the moment. Exactly. But, <laughs> but I must say, as much as I'm loving this conversation, unfortunately it is a podcast and we do have a time limit, I'm going to have to drag you back on this show then because I definitely want to talk to you some more, but we are running out of time. But what I do like to do is I like to give each of my guests the opportunity to have the last word. So you can say something more about what you're doing. You could say something about the organization, or you could talk a little bit about a tip for the industry, for our audience. But whatever you want to say, the floor is yours. Well, I guess I would love it to this, Alex. I mean, our view is that the future of manufacturing productivity and prosperity to a very great extent is going to be driven by resource efficiency. In uh, a time of increasing competition, growing resource scarcity with uh, a growing global population, we're going to have to get ruthlessly efficient at how we source energy, how we harness energy, how we control energy, how we distribute energy, everything in the life cycle of energy and human populations. We're going to have to get ruthlessly efficient at doing this. And we're, we're, and we're, we're still pretty far from that. And we want to harness our internal core competencies and capabilities in the state of Wisconsin to go attack that problem and deliver those solutions um, as quickly and as effectively as possible. And we are completely committed to that outcome and will continue to support this industry sector with uh, every possible means at our disposal. Excellent, Lee. I'm really glad because, as I was saying before, I really do, and my audience have heard me say this before, we have to have an intelligent and organized effort to make this a real solution set for the future and in infrastructure because we're not just simply throwing stuff together to power tomorrow. We're literally creating the infrastructure for the next 100 years. Exactly right. So I really want to thank you for taking the time to be with us today, Lee. I'm really glad. And like I said, I'm going to drag you back because we're going to chat some more. Okay. It was a pleasure speaking with you, Alex. Oh, the pleasure was mine. And I'd like to thank everybody out there in the audience for taking the time to be with us. We wouldn't be here without you. This is Alex Paul for Paul on Power. Have a great day. <laughs>